Look in John chapter 1 and uh, verse 38. Uh, the Bible said that there were some disciples who were following John until uh, John declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And then that gets us to verse 38. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. There's not much in Andrew's life as far as the scriptures is concerned. It records basically all the times that uh, where through the gospels the Lord called him. But where you do find him, he's always bringing someone to Christ. And what an example that that ought to be in our life. Amen. Can I say first of all that the word of God commands you and I to go uh, after sinners. We're commanded to go. And I know that COVID has messed things up, but I think it's about time maybe we ought to get back to knocking on some doors. I, I remember back in uh, uh, the, the presidential campaigns and all of that, uh, they talked about how they went door to door. And so if they can go door to door to tell someone about a bunch of garbage, uh, uh, we ought to be able to go door to door and tell people about Jesus. Amen. Uh, we're commanded in the word of God uh, uh, to be a fisher of men. We're commanded to go. And God help us, uh, I think, that we're neglecting that area uh, in our lives, in our churches. I don't know about where you men are going, but where I'm going, uh, the churches aren't growing. They're getting smaller, amen. One of the reasons why is because they don't go visiting. When I first started evangelism 27 years ago, a lot of the preachers, of course, if they were full-time, they said, Brother Barnes, do you mind visiting with me? I said, man, absolutely, I love to go. And we would go, do you know when's the last time I went to a church where a man was not working a job that asked me to go visiting? I can't tell you when. Uh, it's been several years ago. Uh, that a pastor was interested in going out and inviting people to Christ and to the church. God help us. I know this changed gears, but I can't help it. Uh, it's where we are. And, and so he's commanded uh, us to go. Number two, we ought to be compelled to go. We ought to be compelled to go because God saved uh, our old sorry hide from hell. Thank God I'm not going to hell and I'm glad I'm not going to hell and we ought to be willing to go tell somebody else what Jesus did for us, amen. We ought to be compelled to go. About three weeks ago, I was in the Walmart there in Lafayette and said to the lady, how are you today? And she said, Oh, I'm better than I deserve. I said, boy, I said, and that's the truth. God's been good to us. She said, you're about to make me cry. And we just had a good old time there. Uh, thank God. I went out the parking lot. And just one of them good days, you know. And Brother Laddie, I just started singing out loud. And there's an older lady. Uh, she looked to be at least 70s or 80s. Uh, and she started singing with me. And so we're out in the parking lot uh, singing about heaven. Uh, and she said, I, I'm going to that fair city. 
I said, you better believe it. I'll see you on the other side. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, uh, every now and then, uh, it ought to break out on you uh, that God has saved you uh, and you want to tell somebody about it. Amen. Amen. We ought to be compelled because that he saved us. Number two, because somebody got us to Christ. Somebody had a part in that. Somebody, whether it's on a job, whether it's a mom and dad brought you to church, whether it's a neighbor, uh, somebody, my grandmother was instrumental in taking us to church. Uh, she was an old time Methodist, but she took us down to the Baptist church where they knocked the bark off of you when they preached to you, amen. Uh, but she was instrumental. She prayed for my dad all those years. You know what? We ought to tell somebody because someone got us to Christ. But Tim, thank God for that. I'm glad that there was an influence in my life. Had not my grandmother not uh, was an influence in my life, I may be on my way to hell, but thank God somebody uh, cared enough uh, to help us get to God. Amen. Amen. The consolation in going is this. God does not command me to make them come. All I can do is ask them to come. But you know what? If we do the asking, we'll let God do the rest. The consolation is that he's not gonna judge me if they don't come. But when's the last time you ask somebody to come? When's the last time that, you know what? We're too silent. We're too silent. God help us. I remember years ago when I used to help Brother Kid in the tent ministry, and that's been years ago, but anyhow, we were knocking on doors out there for Brother Paul up there in North Carolina. And, uh, and I knocked on the door and I said, uh, uh, we're here uh, with this church. We're putting up a tent revival and we'd like to invite you. And here's what she said. Oh, she said, I already know where you're from. They're the only church in this town that knocks on doors. Uh, you see, we, <laughs> it's quiet, but that's all right. Uh, we've got to the point uh, that we don't care. And I'm telling you, uh, we're not going to change the way people vote uh, by making them a Republican. We're going to change the way they vote by them getting born again. That changes their heart. That changes their mind. Amen. Amen. Uh, you see, that is what's going to take place. Three things. Number one, we find that Andrew... He went to the uneducated. The Bible said he findeth his brother Simon and he, Peter. He, he brings him to Jesus. Acts chapter four, verse 13 said, Peter was ignorant and unlearned. You know, sometimes, and, and I, I, I'm with the preacher, Brother Brown, I, I believe we ought to have some education, but sometimes uh, we, we, we neglect those that are uneducated. I, I go to churches and, and I go to places where some people really can't spell good. They never learn much in school. They never applied themselves. And I, I told a preacher the other day, I don't know if this is a, a makes me feel good or feel dumb. Uh, but this one guy said, man, I can't wait for Brother Barnes to get here. I can understand what he's saying. I said, now, that can make me feel good or, or I'm really dumb. Amen. Uh, but you know what? Uh, thank God for those that will go after uh, the uneducated, you see. Uh, the Lord will give the materials uh, that are needed. It was Simon Peter that God gave the keys to and he unlocked the door uh, to the Gentile in Acts chapter 10 and Cornelius got saved. Then he unlocked the door. I thank God to the Jew on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 got saved because of an Andrew who went and got Simon Peter. Amen. Amen. 
God will give the man the materials that he needs. He'll give him also the mantle that he needs. James Crumpton, back in about 85 or 6, when I was in Bible college at Dr. Siler's, he came by and preached a missions conference for us. And he talked about, they had a mission board there, Maranatha Baptist Missions, Natchez, Mississippi. And he talked about a, one of the men had missionaries went overseas and started a church and started a Bible college. And a man named James, he came to the preacher and he said, I, I want to go to school here. And he said, no, I'm sorry, you, you, you can't understand enough and we can't keep up, you're not going to be able to keep up with us and we just can't do it. They turned him away. Well, the year rocked on the end of the year. They had a, a school revival and they wanted to draw the young people. And so the man said, for your training, I want y'all to pick the preacher and all of that. Just give me a flyer. Let me know what's going on. Well, guess who the main speaker was, Brother Lamb? It was James. And he said, oh, no. He said, Lord, this boy's going to mess up, and, and I'm sorry that I turned that over to them. But he forgot one key factor, the Holy Ghost. James gets up, and he quotes the first chapter by memory, the second chapter, the third chapter, the fourth chapter, and the fifth chapter. He quoted the whole book by memory, preached for a solid hour, and a hundred young people got born again. I'm telling you, uh, you can't, hey, I can't do that, but thank God I know a man who can. I'm glad the Holy Ghost uh, uh, can take, uh, as old Dr. Sider used to say, a crooked stick and draw a straight line. I'm glad, thank God, the power of God uh, can get the job done. We just need to go after the uneducated and let God do the rest. Amen. Amen. I learned it early. Dr. Siler let a man preach one Wednesday night. He's an old mountain preacher. He, he came. I don't even think he had a tie on. That just surprised me. The Dr. Siler would let him in his pulpit. The man got up and he started reading his text. And he messed it all up. He couldn't read good. And in myself, I said, oh, Doc messed up tonight. But no, Doc didn't mess up. That man started preaching and them big old hands, he grabbed the side of that pulpit and I'm telling you, heaven came down in that building. We probably had 800 on a Wednesday night and I'm not lying. If you've ever been there, it's a huge auditorium. When he got through and gave the invitation, the altar was packed and all the way down the aisles, uh, almost toward the back, about 700 people out of 800 was on the altar. I'm telling you, God, hallelujah, uh, get the job done. Uh, Andrew went after the uneducated. Number two, he went after the unexperienced. You know, in John chapter six, he's the one who found the lad. You know, I, I think thought about this afternoon. I believe that lad had some wonder in his eye that, that Andrew wanted what he had. But Jeff, I'm still amazed that God wants what I have. Brother Mike, I'm still amazed. There's a wonder. In, I... I I never consider myself a big preacher. I'm big this way, but not big as far as notoriety, amen. 
I, I've never been one to care about the lights and my name. And I don't care about all of that. I really don't. You hear me? But I'm telling you, I'm amazed that God would give me the opportunity to preach his holy word. And I never wanted to get over that, to get over that thrill that God would take what I have, which is nothing. But thank God, I'm glad. Listen to me tonight, church. He wants what you have. You may not be a preacher. You may not be a singer. You may not play an instrument. But whatever you have... Brother David, God wants your lunch and thank God he'll use it. Amen. Amen. I believe there's wonder in his eye. I believe there's a willingness. When Andrew asked for that boy's lunch, I don't believe he tried to cover it up. I wonder how many of us have taken our hands off of our life. I wonder how many in the building has said, Lord, I'll give you my lunch. There may be a young person now that God's been speaking to about preaching. And, and, and boy, you're, 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 you're scared to death, and I understand that. And, and you don't want to do it. Uh, you've got things to do. And, you know, I remember when God started dealing with me. But Chris, I, I didn't want to. I wasn't the type of person that man couldn't wait to get up in front of people. It scared me to death. And, and I, I, I wanted to stay in church. I, but I wanted to make a fistful of money and do my own thing. I, I planned to have two jobs and work. I wasn't lazy, wasn't afraid to work. But God had better plans, hallelujah. And I'm glad that I was willing. It's been a great life. I'd rather be where I'm at tonight than anything in the world. I'm telling you, I've got no sad a song to sing tonight. God has been good to me, better to me than what I deserve. I'm telling you, I thank God. Hey, it's wonderful, young people. To serve God is the best thing you'll ever do. Amen. Best thing you ever do. Hallelujah. You know what? Not only was he willing, but I believe, but David, I believe that, how would you think that Andrew spotted that boy with 15 to 25,000 people there. I believe that that boy saw Lope Andrew doing like this. He was a looking. And I believe that boy went to him and said, can I help you? Is there anything that I can do? I wonder how often we ask the Lord, anything that I can do? I wonder how often we go to the preacher, anything that I can do? When I joined the church here in 2015, hard to believe six years already almost. You can ask the preacher. I said to him, I said, I know I've been coming and I'm on the poster to preach. But if you want me to empty the garbage, you just tell me. If you want me to wash the tables, you just tell me. I'm no, but Jason, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too big to do that. He said, well, right now, you just go ahead and worry about preaching. I said, well, that's exactly what I'll do. But you see, you, I'm willing to do it. Praise God. I wonder how many are willing tonight. I, I go to some churches, and I'm sure you men do too. And Brother George, I've, had, I've heard the pastor say, hey, sister, so, so how about you sing tonight? Nope, don't think I will. God, help us. 
I'm, I've actually been in churches and it's all I can do to bite my tongue. What do you mean you don't think you will? It's one thing if your voice is not working right, I can understand that. But God help us. We ought to be thrilled for the opportunity to serve God. What a privilege to be in this house tonight. What a privilege to serve God. It don't matter of what capacity that God would allow us to serve him. Amen. Amen. What a privilege. Brother Samuel, what a privilege that he would even allow us to do it. Willing. I've probably told this here, but there's a lady. Her name is Miss Bobby. Miss Bobby is one of the workingest Christians I know. When I met her, she had to cast with boots on because of her diabetes. She was in her 60s. When we have revival, I've been going to that church for 20-some years. And we meet at the fellowship hall. Anybody wants to come, brings food. Miss Bobby was always the first one there. She'd always set up the table, and she would cook every night. Not everybody cooked every night, but Miss Bobby did. Well, just a little while down the road, and she lost one of those legs and got a prosthetic. She was in the hospital when they had taken off her leg, and she looked at the nurse and she said to the nurse, I know where I can get a job. I can get a job at IHOP. What about that? And that, that nurse didn't know to laugh, didn't know to cry. Uh, but she said, I can get a job at IHOP. That's the type of person she was. When I went back the next year, she had a prosthetic on. Uh, guess who came early? Guess who set the table? Guess who cooked every night? Miss Bobby did. Wasn't long she lost the other leg. She's got two prosthetics. Uh, and guess who still came the following year? Came early. I served, uh, I'm telling you, cooked every night. Uh, oh, God help us. We got a generation. They get angry if you ask them just to do a little something. And she came every night, every night, every night, every night. You hear me? The church was struggling to get up money to try to give me a decent offering with two prosthetics. Her and her husband went out and picked pecans at an orchard. And I mean, Apparently getting on the ground, both of them in their 70s at this time, to get $400 to give toward the revival. That broke my heart. That broke my heart when I heard of what they did. I was there three weeks ago. One of those prosthetics has not been working right. The leg's gotten infected. She's in a wheelchair. Guess who still came every night? Guess who still came early? And guess who still set the table? She came up to me one night and she said, Brother Bobby, now don't you take them shirts to the cleaners. You bring them to me and I'll wash them and iron them for you. And I said, Sister, I don't want you to. Oh, no, no. I want to do it. Can you imagine that? 80-some years old. Her husband's gone. Her son has to wheel around in a wheelchair and she still wants to iron my shirts. <laughs> That's a servant, and that generation's gone. That, that generation is gone. Why do you mean we got to come early? I don't want to practice. Why do you mean we got to? God, help us. We ought to be thrilled for the opportunity to do anything that he would allow us to do. What a privilege to serve the master tonight. What a privilege 
what a privilege. What a privilege. What a privilege. We look at church like an obligation. What a privilege. I wish that I could take you with me. Man, you'd come back to Bible and kiss the carpet. I go in some of the deadest mess. God hadn't been there in 15 years. And I'm trying to get out of going myself. Amen. <laughs> Don't know how to do it and be kind. Hmm. <laughs> what a privilege. What a privilege to sing. What a privilege to preach. What a privilege to pray. What a privilege to read the Bible. What a privilege. You know what? I'm not going to be intimidated by this stinking world. I'm glad of what I am. Hallelujah. And thank God for the privilege of it. Amen. The third group he went after was the unaccepted. A Greek, he came to Philip. And he said, sir, I'd see Jesus. Philip said, all I know, let's go get Andrew. He knows how to get people to Jesus. Wouldn't that be something if that be told about your life? Let's go get, let's go get old brother Lamar. He, he knows how to get him to Jesus. Let's get old brother Hewitt. He knows how to get him to Jesus. Oh, Philip didn't know what to do, but he knew somebody did. He said, let's go get old Andrew because he can get him to Jesus. I thought of three things. Maybe Philip was worried about his nationality, his color. What about that? He was a Greek. Maybe, <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble here, but I've been in some places where there's certain parts of town they don't go. That ain't the right folks. I'm gonna tell you the right folks is everybody. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Amen. It might have been on that Philip was saying, this fella ain't the right nationality. I'm glad, thank God, he loves everybody. Hallelujah. Probably wasn't wearing the right clothes. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have the right robes on, you know. I was preaching for a fella many years ago. And son, now you're talking about preaching against sin. This fellow preach on the cross, gets on television. Preach on hell, gets on television. I mean, it didn't matter what he's preaching, son, he's getting on television, amen. <laughs> so I went to his church. He asked me to come preach a meeting. This was way back in around 2001 or two. And he said, uh, he said Brother Barnes, I, I, I'm gonna go visit someone tomorrow. I said, that's great. And I preached along these lines the night before we went visiting. And, and I even said, I don't care if a boy has an earring in his ear. He needs God. Let the Holy Ghost and preaching get it out when he gets saved. Amen. He ought not be wearing one, but when he's lost, he don't know. He's just doing what's natural to him. We walk into the door, Brother Brown, and the man doesn't say to this fellow, boy, sure been praying for you. Man, I'd love for you to come to the meeting. We're having revival. Love for you to come. Brother Steve, that ain't what he said. Hey, boy, get that earring out of your ear. That's the first thing he said to the guy. Two things happened. Number one, he didn't take his earring out. And number two, he didn't come. That's right. So he may go to hell 
because somebody was worried about his earring. Sinners do what's natural to them. Brother Chris, I've never been to your tent meetings, but I'm sure I have confidence in you that you would not have an evangelistic meeting and then preach for 45 minutes on how everybody's dressed there. Because that would be idiotic. Because they are dressed the way that they dress because they're natural. They don't understand the things of God. So what you're trying to do is get them saved. S-A-V-E-D. Then preach the devil out of them. Amen. Get them saved first and then preach on how to live and how to dress. Hallelujah. And I'm for that as the man of God said a while ago. Uh, We need to get back to some of that. But when it comes to a sinner, they don't understand. They don't know. They just need Jesus. Amen. I've seen men run people out of the church because they wasn't dressed right. And that person never comes back. I know a man in a tent meeting many years ago. He had someone to preach for him that night to give the young boy an opportunity. And two older ladies came and sat on the front pew, pair of pants on. And for 45 minutes, that man preached on pants. For 45 minutes. And so the man who ran the tent, he went to him after the service and he said, If God, the Holy Ghost, told you to do that, then I'm for it. Can you say that? He bowed his head and he said, no. He said, I went to those two ladies and he said, they're Mormons. And he said, I asked them to come back. And they said, no, thank you. We've got all that we need. Now they may go to hell. They were older women already. They may be in hell today because somebody was worried about how they were dressed. Are you listening to me? Now, don't you go out here and say Bobby Barnes is compromising. I'm telling you, when it comes to a sinner, they don't know any better. Let's get them to God. And the same Holy Ghost that cleans you up can clean them up too. Amen. Maybe he was concerned about his character. You know, I'm glad there's a church to look past what my family was. But Brown, you're talking about your family. Mine's the same way. Dad was in prison. My f- brothers were all dope dealers. Laying out of school. My family was a nuisance to society. But there's a little old church called Westside. Independent Baptist Church. That set their sights on my family. And they kept coming by. And they kept coming by. Brother Dana's brother, Joe Williams, would go see my dad. Brother Joe is not much taller than me, just not quite as round as I am. Amen. But Brother Joe, was he was much of a man. And he'd go talk to my dad, and my dad would throw him out and curse him and tell him never to come back. But guess who showed up in a couple weeks? Oh, Brother Joe. He wasn't going to scare Brother Joe. Brother Joe came back and told him he was going to hell and he need God. And my dad shake his fist and cuss God and cuss him. But guess who came back in a few weeks? Old Brother Joe. Yeah. And he kept coming and he kept coming. One, dad, one day dad took an overdose to take his life and he ended up in a mental ward. They pumped his stomach and got the, the pills out. When he woke up that next morning, 
He, for the first time of his life, afraid of dying and going to hell. You know who he called for? Old Brother Joe. Because he was concerned. And one day, Dad died in October. But one of these days, we're going to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I'm going to get old Brother Joe on one side, praise God. Brother Dana on the other, and we're going to have a time. Hallelujah. I'm glad there was somebody that cared enough and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. Thank God. Oh, hallelujah until he got saved. Oh, yeah. We give up so easy. We ask them to come once and they won't come and we don't ever ask them again. Keep going, keep going. What if he got tired and said, you know what? That man has cussed me for the last time. I'm not going back. My dad asked him after he got saved. He said, did I ever make you mad? He said, make me mad. I want to knock your block off. He said, he said but the Holy Ghost said, just leave him alone. Just love on him. Just keep on telling him about me. Hallelujah. I'm glad somebody looked past our character and realized that they swept the dirt away and found the silver. Hallelujah. But Chris, you keep taking that gospel tent. You never know who's listening. You remember one time on our youth trip in Pennsylvania, we were out in the backyard. And they had me to preach out in the backyard. You might have been there at that time. I believe you were, Brother Laddie. And they said the ladies, as they were, would go back into the, the kitchen, they could see, and there was people standing on the other side of the fence that were leaning up against it, listening. You never know what God's doing. You never know. But we keep it to ourselves, and God help us.